Support for this podcast comes from American Express, who is proud to be backing 100 Black women entrepreneurs, like Ree Scott, who founded a boxing community for women. Boxing helps women and girls to build their confidence. Or Taylor Long, who founded a clothing brand for all. Everyone should have access to the same style of clothing, no matter their size. 100 Black women entrepreneurs. 100% backing of American Express business. Meet the 100 at AmericanExpress.com slash 100 for 100. Bad mushroom trips. Near-death experiences. Not making it to the bathroom in time. Those are all the worst, right? Hey guys, it's Brittany Furlan from Worst First, the podcast where I have a bunch of celebrities on and they tell me about all the worst things that have happened to them. And let me tell you, they have stories. And also you guys submit your own stories, which traumatize me. So make sure to check out Worst First anywhere that podcasts are available. Check it out, listen to Worst First and feel a little better about your life. It doesn't suck. It doesn't suck. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Classic Black Dude with your host, Clark Jones, a.k.a. Pod Strickland. We are back. Uh, we're getting back into this thing, man. Um, so much news is happening so fast that I have thoughts on. I don't want to give it all away to social media by just posting. But I don't have enough energy to just write an essay on things. Uh, things has gotten to me... I want to say the most in, hmm, I don't know, in recent, in recent news is, and just the ideology is like, yo, if a black dude loses his mom, he's crazy or he's going crazy. And of course I'm talking about myself. No, I'm talking about Kanye. There's just been a lot of diagnosing on you know, from non-experts, myself included, because at first I was like, yeah, man, this is all, when I still had my mom, I was ready to say, yeah, man, this is because he lost his mom and he loves his mom so much and this is what happens. I'm not saying that doesn't happen. What I'm saying is we just overdiagnose people. The other part of it is, you know, people aren't, around him aren't helping Another assumption that we make. We're very good at that. And be, the, the problem is we've always done that, but we've become so comfortable with it to where my assumption is my opinion, so it's fine. It's like, nah, man, just we, we don't know because if we, if we say he does, he's not getting help and the people around him aren't helping, we're leaving out the part. The person has to want to go to therapy or to talk to someone or to whatever type of healing that they need. The person got to want to go. They got to believe it. Dude was wilding on his tweets. He said his wife cheating with Meek Mill. She's been trying to divorce him ever since she met up with him to talk prison reform. Yo, that's wild too. You talking prison reform, and you just got to fuck a rapper now on this lunch break from prison reform. Why didn't Kanye? Uh, it don't that don't even matter because it may not all be true. That's the thing about 
bipolar disorder. And this is based on things that I've read. I'm not just, you know, conjecturing up some shit. Like, you say a lot of wild things. But we all think wild things. It's just that with certain mental disorders, and this is spectrum, you actually say them. The little voice that says, okay, maybe not only should I not say this, but there's a very good chance that this isn't true. That gets shut down. And that gets, that gets like, okay, well, maybe it is okay to say. I've dealt with it. One of the worst people I've ever had to deal with in life suffers from bipolar disorder. And it's terrifying. We got our first guest, though. I hate to bring him up to that. But it's, it's so, everything is so serious, right? We got my man joining me right now. Friend, um, brother. Um, and I, and I, you come in at a perfect time because of in the, in, in, in black history and black communities, we look to our spouse for, to be our therapist or our girlfriends or our friends, definitely our pastors, whether licensed or unlicensed for that type of work. We just put. We put it on, we put our therapy on whoever we trust the most. We put it on whoever ain't us. You know what I'm saying? Like, Fair enough. Yes. Because that's the, there's the conscious and the unconscious approach, right? Yeah. Fix me. Help me. You know? So Let like me anybody vent. who shows even an ounce of expertise should be able to fix me. They should n- know the nuance of me enough to be able to work through that. Let me find the most patient person I know who would just let me talk. Because <laughs> that's all I need. I just need to talk, man. I just man. need to talk, man. <laughs> I just need to talk. <laughs> now we need to talk. Right. I just need to talk. And who, who will just let me do that and not interrupt until I feel better? regardless of how it makes them feel. And that's our therapist. It's, it's strange. You said, um, that made me think of something when you said anybody who ain't us, because we forget that our ways of feeling better about things when we're at our lowest is not necessarily positive. So when you say everybody, you mean everybody, including the person who cut you off in traffic, teacher, you know, j- trolling, like any oh, type we, of everybody. We give, the- we give it to them. We give it to them because we don't, I mean, we don't know how to deal with it inside our own bodies. That anxiety, that stress, like, and we live in a culture of professionalism. So it's like, it's got to be somebody who knows how to take care of this. Because if I'm making mistakes or if I'm dropping the ball, on my own mental health, that means I'm not good enough to take care of it. That means I must not be able to 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 take care of myself. So it's got to be somebody else. It's got to be, and t- and we just keep throwing shit at the wall until something sticks, and we are not thinking about the thing. That energy is not destroyed, though. No, it never is. It never is. 
as a as a how long have you been a pastor now? <laughs> uh, almost ten years. Are we recording right now? Like, are we doing? Is this the thing? Right? Now? We're doing the thing. <laughs> I love it. All right, cool. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> oh, so listen, everybody listening. What you got is real answers at first. Now he's gonna go into we're doing it. Time to switch it on. No, nah, man. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's been longer than ten years. You've been preaching. No, I'm, I mean preaching. Yeah, for for probably fifteen or twenty, but. Pastor, and it'll be 10 years coming up in a few months. In in the year of our Lord, 2020. Our, our Lord. <laughs> our, man, it's so many. This, this, this conversation of black church, I don't want to put it all on you to answer every single damn question about it, but it's just so much to unpack, especially. I put it on the rise of social media where, like, there's things that have been taboo to say for black people to say for a long time. And all it took was somebody retweeting it. And we're like, Oh, I can talk about this publicly now. Right. Right. From homophobia in black churches to sexism to, I'm, I'm going to throw this at you. And I just want to see what your reaction was to it. Cause I don't think we ever discussed this. Black men are the white men of black people. Yes. That, I, I love that. I love that. That's not uh, me. That's actually something I disagreed with. Oh, you, But I, I wanted your honest take on that. Well, in the sense that, I mean, I'd be curious how you disagree. I'm, I'm just thinking of, of the metaphor and, and just how, like, power works and how black men have really used a lot of power in order to... Uh, keep black women down in order to keep queer people down, obviously trans people like that's like that conversation is just coming up, but it's, it's been mm-hmm. centuries and generations of ways in which uh, the black community has for a lot of reasons entrusted the black man to kind of take care of black people and mm-hmm. has not looked out for all the black people, you know, has, has, or has used the umbrella of black people like as a monolith, but it's not thought about like the specific kind of oppressions that happen in the household, that happen to children. You know, it happens. I think like, it, I can't remember the sociologists who talked about it, but the ways in which oppression like plays itself out in oppressed communities where it always ends up being like the man who plays that out on everybody else. So like, why why you disagree with it? Like what, what I- do you like about that? You know, when I first, it was, you know what it was? It was, I blame the source. I don't like, I don't like the website that said it. That was my first thing. Because I felt like it was, I felt like it was, um, what's the word that they call liberal white dudes? It was uh, when you're like virtual signaling to black women to say like, you know, any black woman who wants to, um, say something bad about black men or are unhappy with black men. Let me just say something that brings them down a peg. Right. Then I had to go back and think a little bit like, yeah, we have the, the, what's the old thing? The, uh, the, uh, the abuse emulate the actions of their abuser. That's right? right. That's right. So it would only make sense if this is how white men did it. And this is how they treated us. And they, I'm envious of that power structure. And by any means necessary, as long as I keep getting away with it, 
I'm going to keep doing it because yeah. I'm in the lead. Right. Why would, why would I fight with something that puts me ahead yeah. of somebody else? No, it's got to be a competition. And so that's how we end up breaking up our own people because we get to, to saying, well, at least I'm above them. Or at least I got power over them in my own house or in the neighborhood on the block or whatever. You know, like that. I, and I don't even think it's like just from a perspective of like oppressed people find ways to do more oppressing. I think, it, I mean, yeah, that happens. Um, and I just said it two minutes ago. So I obviously think it's true, but <laughs> like from the perspective, and I've been seeing this a lot more lately, like recognizing it in my own socialization and everything. Like, like we're as black men, we're taught like who is our model, like white men, like that's who we're taught to be. Right. We're not, in, in this in this in this american that's right setup. like in in this system of capitalism we're taught like oh you can go get your money lord over people you know like that's the whole goal that's why I, go get your education so you can lord over people you know like that's right, right. essentially what we're taught you know and so that that model of whiteness as the thing that we should aim for uh thankfully is being looked at a lot closer you know, as yeah. a culture and a, as a people. But I do think that is something that a lot of people look at and say, like, yeah, that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, this this example worked for them. And right. I, I say, and this ain't virtual signaling, I really think the country is more sexist than racist. When I say the country, I mean white men are way more, because they're like, all right, I need to do this thing. Let me appeal to the census. If I got to talk to this community, let me start with black men and then they'll get everybody else in line. Man, we just saw it in 2016. Like there, there's no better example of that than Hillary losing. Like there's, there was no logical reason for that to happen. You know, right. like there, there was no logical reason. People just tapped into their base instincts and said, ultimately, like, listen, I, I could have dealt eight years ago with a black president, I cannot deal with a woman. Like people, I think people just went to that place, man. I, I folks blamed it on flyover country, but like the truth is like Hillary won, like just the major cities, like she lost everywhere else. So she got like the whole country retreated to that way of thinking. And, and, and you could put as much political spin on it as you want. But I think that when people got in that booth, they just said, nah, I can't do it. Can't. Can't can't do it. Can't can't vote for this woman specifically, but also had it been another woman. The thing is, you can say, "Well, I can't vote for this woman," but it, there's a whole system that wouldn't let another woman rise unless she did it the way that Hillary did it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's like the things you're saying against her. That was the only way she can get to that spot. Exactly. What you would have liked? Oh shit! My own fucking biases. It, you're my therapist. I'm talking to my therapist right now because I just realized something that I did. I was, I was kind of caught up in. Like this is. I, it, I'm not saying Hillary is faultless, but I'm just laying out like, oh shit, that was my thinking. That's yeah, why no, I we totally on. ate our own tail on that. And basically yeah. are just throwing it up right now. That's what's happening. White people call it, we screwed the pooch. Yeah. Shout out to Michael Che. 
Right. Well, would you? Okay, because your your church is you're a black pastor, but do you run a black church? It depends on how you think about it. I don't want to be too long winded, but I call it a black church, like having the values of lifting up freedom of black people, you know? And so in that sense, we are absolutely a black church. You know, we are talking about all the issues that affect black people and and trying to connect our faith to it in a way that can make sense and actually be useful. But there are white people there, you know, and and there are white folks who are definitely um, in leadership and a part of the congregation. And and it's if folks don't know, which a lot of people wouldn't know, Hyde Park, Chicago, you know, it's like in the center of a very segregated city. And so folks who live in Hyde Park like to think of themselves as liberal and progressive and have a pocket. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. kind of a, it's an island of, of wokeness in a way. Um, and so a lot of those folks are at the church, you know, and I spend a lot of my time trying to remind them that progressive is a dangerous word and liberal is a dangerous word if we just use it freely as like versus being conservative, but don't try to live out those values and try to mm-hmm. live out what that means in the community. Because there are plenty of white folks or progressive folks who are hurting the cause just as much as you know the racists carrying the torches we uh i'm very first of all yes i have a, first your church is in is located on the campus of university of chicago uh, so you can speak to the the lack of international education that we have as a country right like as a former teacher i'm like if y'all only knew Number one, how we could relate and see the differences globally with different types of black people. Like, does how do you be, how much do you bang your head against the wall of knowing black folks, but then knowing this international community and like, man, there's so many gaps of right. understanding. I think I mean the thing that can get the most frustrating for me is just that inside of not just that church, but just in a lot of liberal spaces where I, I spend a lot of my time where people have bought into this liberal lie that like, if I'm intelligent enough, I can defeat everything that's in front of me, you know? And it's like, no, like we got, we got all these ways of tearing down theories and talking about how they wrong and they wrong and they wrong. People still dying right down the street, you know, like, what are we going to do about that? And that's, that thing makes me, uh, I would say the most frustrated, not as much, at, at university church because because I've been with them and we've been with each other and and so they really do get it but in a lot of spaces that I'm in where people think like the power of their tweet or the power of that thought is going to like change the thing because the light bulb turned on in your head like yeah. no like that the light this not happening because ain't no light bulbs on you know what I'm saying people know yeah people know how to just re-articulate the yeah. same, like, yo, bruh, like, I, we talked about this briefly, but I, I rewatched se- season six of A Different World, and when I say every episode was current as fuck, dude, every single one, there was one, they were talking about black leaders, and somebody said Maxine Waters, and I'm just like, this right. Right. 30 years. Like, how do, how do we get 30 years and are still having the same kind of conversation? It's not because we stopped being smart, you know? 
Yeah, we know how to say things. We got smarter. Like, that's what happened. We got smarter, and we're still you know, having the same conversations. So, you know, I'm not trying to be anti-intellectual, because I know a lot of people, especially who listen here, you know, are, are intelligent folks. And listen, I, it's, it's not just about that. That's the whole thing. Like, I hope that, I hope, like, I know that if Breonna Taylor gets justice, it's not because we were smart about it. It's because those people who, like, sleeping on the street right now out in Louisville, like refuse to stop. You know what I'm saying? Like they just refuse to stop. Nobody's like articulating it any deeper or making any more sense out of it. There are no more stories really being written about it. Like if we gonna get it done, it's cause those people decided like it's time to get it done. Chris Rock said one of my favorite jokes, he was like, you know, black people, we stop I wouldn't say we stopped getting getting lynched, but the 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 numbers have decreased not because we did anything. White folks just stopped being as crazy. <laughs> like we didn't do anything. We didn't start acting right better. We didn't start reading more. Like white folks decided, all right, we're gonna be a little we're gonna pull back on the crazy. Right. Right. So we I need them to do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wonder like sometimes like and this is the thing about like preaching or just the dope public speaking that we're hearing right now where people are using all these quotes about like freedom is an idea that whose time has come. Like, you know, like it's time for it. Like, right. Yeah. I'm, I hope so. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I hope so. But I feel like that time, why was that time not when the first kid died? You know, like why, yeah. like that time is always there. Like, time just like i believe you know like god is all is waiting on us like let's go you know what i'm saying like let's go it's not yeah. about waiting on time it's about us doing the thing we need to do in terms of strategizing and, and really coming together as a group man but okay as you're still in the black community there's doctor lawyer preacher i would say of like Jobs that your mama will be like, oh, he's a, yeah, he's he's a doctor, he's a lawyer. Oh, he's a pastor. Yeah. So there's a lot. There's a big onus that you got to carry with that. So like, this is kind of a deep question. So I want you to internalize it. What, what line of thinking must you deny yourself from ever going down? as a preacher, as a father, as one of the pillars of the community, what think hold will you not allow yourself to go down? I think the, probably the, the biggest one is the, the idea that I'm here to fix it. You know, to turn myself into a, a savior, kind of Jesus figure or prophet figure who like, I'm here because now that I'm here, we're going to get through this thing. You know, like, <laughs> you know, Y'all was waiting on me. <laughs> and I'm here and I'm out of my own way. And that means it's really going to happen now <laughs> because I done removed all my bad thoughts. Now we good. Let me, let me put this bow tie on and fix everything. Right. Yeah. No, I th and I think that that is another thing that's, that's very much taught into us as black men as like, it's ours to fix. Like we got to fix this. And, and I think that's just another way of capitalism working into us against community. You know, like our leaders should be talking about building community, you know, and that's that's something that I'm always reminding myself when I feel like, 
oh, I just got either six invitations to go speak here or three events this weekend, like to sometimes just be like, no, somebody else go do that. You know, no, I can't do that. I need to be with my daughters this weekend. But you should call this woman over here who's doing dope work or, or this young person over here who's doing dope work. You know, you should hit them up. So just trying to like use my voice to lift up other voices and not just say like, oh, it's my time. Now I got to make yeah. it happen. You know, it's the same thing. With, like I, I forget who said it. I, it might have been Seinfeld, but who was talking about comedy and saying, like, you don't blow until you're 35. You know, you got to pay your dues. And that that dues paying is a part of the process so that once you're there, like, now you can rise. Now you can just do your thing. I think that happens yeah. a lot in preachers, too, where it's like, oh, you've been the youth pastor for 15 years. Now <laughs> it's time for you to be the man literally you know what i'm saying yeah. and and once that once you get that shine you've earned it so now you need to use that to to do your thing and and like for me like i know that idea is dead in me it's like we just got to build a community and everything we do and if i got a voice and something to say i'm gonna use it i'm not gonna shy from that but i can't fix this by myself that's a dangerous thought man i think that's a dangerous thought and leads to a lot of the the burnout, not only in preachers, but just in black leaders, because we believe that, like, it's supposed to happen during my lifetime because I'm here now. I want to I wanna get into where that thought comes from. We got to do a quick break. We got Reverend Julian Deshazier, rapper Jay Quest, um, Morehouse Man, in case... In case that still means something to some people. We'll be right back on Classic Black Dude. Your host, Clark Jones, a.k.a. Poshtrick. I'm right back with Julian Deshazier. It's JCPenney here, back with our best Cyber Days deals and steals, available now in-store or online. Deck the halls and ring in the savings with 60% off JCPenney home bedding and bath, like flannel sheets or Egyptian cotton towels. Get your kitchen ready to prepare hearty winter meals with a Cook's Granite 10-piece cookware set. Or add some warmth to couch time with a Biddeford Micro Plush Electric Throw. Plus, find stylish tops and sweaters for her from Liz Claiborne Apparel. For him, shop St. John's Bay sweaters and Levi's collection of classic jeans and Sherpa-lined jackets. Find all these deals and more at JCPenney in-store or online. Plus, save even more with an extra 35% off your order. Want it fast? Choose contact-free curbside pickup at checkout. Joy, comfort, peace. JCPenney. What's up, everybody? I'm Graham Bunn. So excited to introduce you to Country Shine, where we're talking all things country music. That's right, and I'm Cameron Irwin, co-host and resident country girl at Tinseltown, here to welcome you to the family. Every Tuesday, we'll update you on the latest in country music, culture, and community. And on Fridays, I'll bring on country musicians and all the biggest names in the game. It's a gathering, and we want you here. You can listen to Country Shine with me, Graham Bunn, for free right here on Spotify. You check off all the marks, man. You graduated on time, Phi Beta Kappa, Phi Beta Kappa rapper. <laughs> if that means anything. If that, if that still means something to you. <laughs> you check all the marks of Savior Complex. <laughs> <laughs> not, not we. You, you check all the marks of not we can do it, I can do it. You right. check all the marks. So you have to stop yourself from thinking like that because for your own health, like you have to take the first step and say, I can't do that. Well, when did that happen? 
Because we come from the same place. Yeah. We, the Venn diagram now, it, overlaps. It definitely didn't happen at Morehouse, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm going to tell you that right now. That's where it no. didn't happen. Oh, man. Like, Ooh. I just got home and got back. Like, I was torn like an indie artist, like that indie artist grind. And you know that doing stand-up, you know, where you just like, you in little holes in the wall doing five minutes, 10 minutes. And you realize like, if this is going to happen, it ain't going to happen. Just me alone. Not like off the set strength of talent, talent. No, is not no, no, no. Just done. Oh, no, no, no. That's talent not, like not going to be it. And then talent I started, like I moved from there and really started feeling this strong call back toward the church for a lot of reasons, but just, always appreciative of the church as a social institution, even though it had a lot of issues. I think mm. the way that it talked about God and people, the black church, just a beautiful institution that I, I am indebted to and felt myself called to go and serve in. And when that happened, it was like, well, even like turning this church around, I can't do it by myself, like off the strength of preaching. You know, I, I would see so many people who were like these dynamic speakers and and like some of the best preachers in the world. But when you talk to their members, they were like, uh, not a good leader. <laughs> like, where else am I going? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, <laughs> I want to hear this, but I don't really like this. You know, yeah. and that that all of that coming together between the music and church really just helped me see like, like institutions don't change with one person. Um, and they don't change by will alone. You know, they change. Like when you put a plan together and you start working that plan and, and stay dedicated, even when that plan feels like it's not working. I hate to sound Terry Cruz-ish in any type of way. Like in any, let me preface this by saying that. You gotta put a disclaimer on that. <laughs> I got to. I, I didn't even have to, but I know how people think. That's my job as a performer. Could that, could that idea that the emphasis on community and I can't do this and we can work together was any of that because of having so many white parishioners, like, and having white staff and seeing like, oh, they kind of do things a little different than what I was raised in the missionary Baptist. No, it was, it was, it was less about the white people and how they moved and more about seeing how many black people were burning out and, and lived really like toxic lives behind the pulpit. Like when they weren't up there being amazing, like we're really struggling to keep their families together, to get respect from their children, you know, like to do a lot of stuff. Like I was seeing that and, and even working around a lot of those contexts. So when I had my own space where like it, the keys are mine, like I'm the one driving the ship, then it was like, all right, I want to make sure that um, I have integrity, not just publicly, but throughout the rest of my life. You know, and, and that moved more of how I did it because it immediately became clear, like, if I'm going to have integrity, then I cannot be pretending that I'm about to be in here transforming everything by myself. Mm. And then it helped because, like, like, white, a lot of white churches, and white churches are not monolith either, but a lot of white liberal progressive spaces, folks who talk about justice, are also the kind of folks who, like, like they have a low sense of the pastor, not in a disrespectful way, but they don't think like the pastor is God. You know, like they call oh. they call me Julian. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like, pastor, Reverend, Doctor, they don't do none of that. They be none like, of that. 
Hey, Julian, you know, like... Like, um, no office hours. When I see you, I'm going to pull you to the side. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, and so... And so that helped as well. But I, I think I had already come in with this sense of like, no matter what happens, I am not going to kill myself trying to save this. Mm. But that's hard, though, not just from a God complex, but also as a Chicagoan, like this shooting. We had a, a brief chat about this, like, th- how can you not be constantly thinking, how, how, do, how do I stop this? Yeah. Have I done enough, right? Yeah. No, and I think those questions, you can still ask them, but it's like, how do I stop this? As soon as you get to the answer of all by myself, then you got to be suspicious of that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we, I, can, I still ask every day, how do I stop this? And how, do, how am I a part of the solution? And how am I on the right side of history in terms of freedom for our people? You know, but like the moment I get to saying, it's on me. That's why I think so many indie artists stay in that space. That's why I think so many comedians stay in that space. Mm. Just like get in that space of like, it's all on me. And we I call it, that, but that's that self-help stuff, man. That's that self-help stuff that I think has really plagued the church and has plagued a lot of what it means to be human right now. Like, it's not just your thoughts that are in the way right now. Like, it's some yeah. real stuff in the way. Uh, it's racism in the way people are seeing that right now. And it's the kind of stuff that takes, like if a car is sitting on your leg, you don't just lift the car up. You need, you gonna need three or four people to do right. that. You know, and it's, so recognizing yeah. that we, ju- we don't just exist to overcome ourselves. And that is the way that we will find the success in this world. But like we exist to be in community too. Like we exist. <laughs> We call it the army of one mentality. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Because you, and I know for me personally, like my whole thing is, and this is very toxic, but just like, oh, when I get on, I don't want anybody feeling like they helped me. (laughs) Right. Like what? (laughs) What kind of? Why? That has never happened also. Um, um, <laughs> Nobody has ever... You have no examples of how that's worked. Like, I yeah, want to get on, whatever on means, and, and that's shifting a lot right now, but, like, I want to get on and, and, like, have to thank 50 people. Because, oh, like, man. It was Play the music people on me. who, like, totally sacrificed and saw a look for me and I wasn't even paying attention, but they made it happen for me. They got me that opening gig over there. They, they got me that preaching over, you know, like that's now I'm totally in that space, but I was definitely, you know, where you are or were for sure for, for years, man. It's something that makes us feel like superheroes when it's like, we could, we could do this. Even then, the, the the fallacy of it is even then while I was hardcore into that mentality, I was still accepting help. <laughs> <laughs> but I would find people who wouldn't want to be thanked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would take all the help from hey, Jay, those people. Anybody who I felt like might want some credit, nah. Which it, you know, it kind of helped me in some kind of ways, but like the ability to ask people, like, it's a skill. Bro. I know people hard. with no talent That's who are hard. on. That's I mean, hard. on, bro. Like, because it's, if I could teach that, if I could bottle the ability to 
to get help to to do all that because that's what being a leader is i'm like i'd rather just be a leader of me i know how i'm gonna work but like 12 years in comedy now um things started to change when i changed that mentality of i'm gonna put myself on i don't get everything but i do get random emails now and they right. don't tell me who sent it that's right they don't, <laughs> they don't, i don't know who i was you know why because it ain't the people who interact with you it's people who watch but don't say nothing man it's those people who you like i ain't even if they told you yo so and so recommended you'd be like oh i didn't even know they messed with me like that <laughs> i know because the people who could really affect your career they don't say nothing right yeah no you don't even know they there Man, I, I could tell 10 stories about that in the church where like things really started turning around once I started asking people, even from the pulpit and saying like, yo, I can't yeah. do this by myself. Yeah. yeah like, let's <laughs> do this together. Like, let I we all got this vision of who we want to be, where we want to be, how we want to be in the world. Like, don't think that because my my title got pastor that I can make that happen. You right. Know? Like that's that's something we made up. Let's be realistic. Right. Let's let's be realistic. And I would even go as far to say let's be faithful, you know, in how we do things and, and do them together and do them as a community. And I that's church, that's comedy, that's music. That I think that's gonna be how we get to freedom in terms of the, the movement for black lives right now. Like if you're looking at one person and saying, Oh, uh Sean King gonna get it done or I was waiting for you to say the name. Or, <laughs> or AOC is going to get it done. Like, Bernie, no, no, no. Like, if this is going to happen, that whole model of the one leader, we have seen it come and go 200 years. Like, we've seen, like, come on, man. Like, it's going to be because we're going to be naming communities who got it done. Right. Yes. And saying, like, oh, the city of Louisville got justice for Breonna Taylor, you know. I don't know the name of one white mother in Portland who set up that barrier. <laughs> I don't know one individual name, but I love what they did because they, that's the goal to have one person. They want to make it Sean King. So when we tear down Sean King, the whole thing it all falls apart. We pull the whole plug. That's right. That's right. That that was the that was the dopest thing that the organizers um from Black Lives Matter in Chicago were talking to me about when they were talking about their leadership structure, even in like 2015 when they were just getting going. I'm like, oh well who's the president? Like who's who should I talk to? You know, and and sometimes it'd be frustrating even for them because it's like we don't know because the whole model is so circular. It's so like like all of us. You talk to all of us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When when does something happen when we all sit down and feel good about it? You know, and and that's like that means it's gonna take two or three weeks later than you want to. But what's the energy yo, of Chicago youth right now? Like, are you happy with it? Is it? I mean, obviously, we still got a gang culture, still got a shooting culture, and, and that stuff. But the 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 young voices, what are you getting from them? Oh, a lot of love that that they're they're just seeing that like there's an opportunity to change life for everybody. And and they're taking advantage of it, you know, and doing it in so many different ways that they get critiqued for not being a strategized or organized in that classic organizing model. But like 
when when folks started thinking about like, hey, it's a Columbus Drive in Chicago with a statue in that yeah. of Christopher Columbus. Yeah. They were the first ones to say like, we got to do something about that. And so they have that energy to tear down symbols and recognize the power of symbols that I really appreciate and learn a lot from actually learn a lot yeah. from, because I think even my you know, I drove, I've driven past that statue a thousand times and just never thought twice about it, you know? And, right. And so they're like, no, we're going to get at everything that even signals at our oppression. We're going to get at it. And so everything that oppresses us. So it's not like they yeah. just tearing down statues. They, they also right. trying to defund the police or get the police out of schools. Like they're doing a lot of dope things. And that energy is kind of, I, from what I know about them and I end up being sort of a counselor and, and pastor for a lot of them too. Like they come from that place of love. I know, I know that. And I respect it so much. This, this group, and they say that about every youth, like they're all about the action and, you know, wise or whatever. But I just never seen like when they decide something ain't right or something don't feel right, they go full steam against it. There's no, okay, but maybe if we do it like that, they like, no, we going full steam because this don't, this don't sit right. right. Kanye, Kanye at our thing, that don't feel right. And we're right. going to cut them out and get them up out of here. Right. And they made the right call. They, I mean, they, they are a strong example, that Generation Z of, of like trusting your gut, you know? Right. In a way that as we get older, we're not in Generation Z and, and we're kind of taught out of that, you know, like, no, we need to be wise and we need, like, there's wisdom in that, th- that moment and that understanding that comes right in that moment. Uh, yeah without having to be in a classroom to understand it deeper. Like, I just know this is wrong. I don't know. I don't quite know how to fix it or whatever. Yeah. I just know that this can't exist no more. And yes, then yeah. we're going we to figure out the rest. But this right here and in Chicago in particular, this police chief, no, nah, this, this ain't going to work. You know, this mayor, no, nah, this ain't going to work. We got to do something else. Yeah. You know, like they are driving a lot of that energy. And so I, I just wish a lot of, um, not only our generation, but the elders would, would embrace them more and pass that wisdom down because they're the ones leading us right now. White, racist, and old black people have the worst time with young black people. Almost <laughs> on an equal level sometimes. I think people, both, both I, don't, I don't know if I, I'm going there, but... I'm going there. I'm say both have the same sentiment that they feel disrespected and they feel okay. afraid of them. And there is a fear out of their fear and feelings of being disrespected and disregarded, choose to block them out altogether. And they both are making a critical mistake. I'm letting that breathe for a second. Cause it is true. And I don't want to, I don't want to just, do the interview thing where I just go, well, what about, no, I don't have to breathe. Here's the, uh, here's the flip side as it relates to your profession. Young, I mean, black people are becoming less of the believers. Really the black church, is it dying? 
power wise? Um, in the sense that the that some of the power of the black church was located politically, yeah, because we're now able to find that power in other places and from people who aren't affiliated with church. But to me, that's not like a signal of the black church dying. It's like it's evolving. Like that's the mission of the black church actually working where the mission of the black church, capital B, capital C in the fifties and sixties was really about like an empowering a community to take ownership of itself. And the reality is that when that happens, you're going to have people that, that don't rock with you, but got power now. You know, like, but they don't like yeah. you and and don't mess with you and you don't have power over them and can't determine their moves. But sometimes you got to listen to them. I don't think that's a sign of failure. And and I say that to to some of the older black pastors, especially in the city who feel like they are disrespected and disregarded. Like, no, you're this is what you were trying to do in the 70s and 80s working like you got yeah. a group of folks who aren't even coming through the church, but feel so empowered and feel such love inside of them that they're like, I want to change the world that I live in. You know, like I want to, I want to fix it right now. That's, yeah. that comes out of the black church. Like we got to celebrate that. And, and at the same time, wrestle with the tension and the paradox that there were some things that happened in the black church that made that split happen. You know, that a lot of those yeah. young organizers, black, queer women, let's just name it, are, yeah. are, are, are the way they are about church because they have been hurt by church. They're not just like, right. they weren't just born hating church. You know what I'm saying? They were probably born going to church and then got oh. hurt and then got not accepted and then got told that they weren't good enough or that they had to be somebody different. And so the black church both, succeeded overwhelmingly and failed miserably yeah it takes a lot i don't care who you are if you have a black mom if you got a black grandmother aunts whatever it takes a lot for you to say i'm not doing church anymore you gotta like you got your grandma voice in your head when you say that yeah. <laughs> like, <It> takes. <laughs> You talking to grandma when you say that. You're not just talking yeah. to me. I was I was talking with a with an organizer about a month or so ago. Like, and they were saying that, like they got, like, they're not just saying that into the wind. They're like talking to their ancestors and, yeah. and feel torn about that. But like ultimately they're saying, like, it don't matter what the tradition says, if I'm I can't be in any space that doesn't fully welcome me or accept me as who I am. And so I think that grandma ultimately will understand that, you know. Right. But they got to wrestle with that tension in the ways that a lot of people who leave church or who go do whatever don't have to hear those other voices calling them back. Oof. That's a word. We're taking a quick break. Classic black dude. The Rev. We haven't even got to the rapper part. We're going to get to the rapper the The artist part. I said, yo, you're not a, you're not, you don't have to do everything yourself. And then I'll, I just talked about all the things as if it's all on him. But he got a community and he got other things besides being a pastor. We're going to talk about right here on Classic Black Dude. We'll be right back. 
Support for this podcast comes from Microsoft Teams. Now there are more ways to be a team with Microsoft Teams. Bring everyone together in one space with a new virtual room. Collaborate live, drawing, sharing, and building ideas with everyone on the same page. And make sure more of your team is seen and heard with up to 49 people on screen at once. Learn more about all the newest Teams features at Microsoft.com Teams. Support for this podcast comes from Walgreens. Let's start with everyone out there who loves a good story. Now, narrow it down to all those passionate podcast listeners who are dedicated to living their best life. That's you, right? Well, Walgreens created a new, easier way to shop, save, and stay well just for you. It's called My Walgreens. And when you join, you'll discover personalized deals, instantly earn unlimited rewards, and receive real-time local health alerts. Join for free at MyWalgreens.com. Exclusions apply. My guy just released new music. How long have you been rapping? I've been rapping before I I knew anything about religion or the church or any of that uh, since I was 12 or 30, probably as long as you've been rapping. You know, like every yeah. every black dude, if this is called <laughs> classic black dude, then we need yeah. to name that every black dude been rapping since he so, was 11, 12 years old. The, and the success level is on the spectrum. That's <laughs> right. That's right. You, even if you thought about it, even if you was watching the cypher, like and you thought about you was rapping in your head. That's rapping. Every right? black, every black dude is a preacher. Every black dude is a rapper. Every black dude is a comedian. Every black dude is funny. Every black dude is funny. <laughs> like every single one. And so, you can't tell at a certain point, we just decide we're gonna try to do this thing. You know, in quotes. Yeah. This, Clark, you doing this thing? Like you, you. You in comedy like, like yeah. now? Like I, those- I keep seeing you posting shows. Are you doing this thing? Are you doing this? Okay, cool. Oh, Jay, you got uh, two albums out. Okay, so you really doing this thing? For for musicians, it's more like you on Spotify now, that or Apple Music. Like, oh, not knowing how easy it is to put an album on Spotify or a podcast on your own. <laughs> 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 It's terribly easy. <laughs> it, but you know what? To my own detriment, and I know you, this is going back to earlier, like, it, it'll feel right. It don't feel right unless somebody taking a cut. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, wait, yeah, I could do all this, but it'll feel right if somebody got their hands in my pocket. Because that, that feels like I'm on. I have no need for a manager right now. Everything that needs doing right now, I can do myself. Like, I'm at can that you? level. Can you? Can no, you do it now? I mean, I, mean I, I shouldn't do it myself, but all the tasks. <laughs> okay. Like, the stuff yeah. that needs doing is not stuff that's outside of my capacity. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I could do all that. I could send the emails. I can make the phone calls. Now, I shouldn't, and I'm not doing it. But it's funny how, like, you think, like, man, once I get a manager, I'm, I really, I'm doing it now. Anything you think is... Is, isn't. <laughs> Everything that you think is, is certainly not. And you learn that in very painful ways. And expensive ways. Those are expensive and, Oh my God. <laughs> I'll, I'll spend so much money making a move look legitimate to the internet. <laughs> like, I just want to make it look like it's legitimate. And to your credit though, 
you you I knew you were a rapper for real when you dropped 2020. Oh. And I could take a disc and put it in and hear engineered music. Right, right. Like I had to do that with somebody else. But also like just trusting in somebody else's genius and skills. And that that was at that point Ant Farm and uh, who, who I still consider a genius and, and play that album, which is free to hear wherever. I think I'm supposed still to- on YouTube, like, I think I'm supposed to like push that, you know, so. You know, go, <laughs> That's something you can do. Go and find that. <laughs> and, you know. and, um, and that was a, an amazing part of my life. And, but really from that point, realized like, I, I think, you know, when, when I came, when I was in Morehouse, I was really saying like, I, I was in that Kanye mode. Like I, I'm gonna mm-hmm. make the beats. I'm a rap. I'm gonna be the street team. I'm gonna be like everybody. Everything's gonna be me. And I, it, I it was crazy to find. I really it, learned how to like trust in in my guys to like get them a, a stack of CDs or some shirts and be like, "Yo, go do you." You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that was you, and that was other folks. So I, I, I learned a lot, man. I learned a lot. It's it's funny to say it now, but like finding out now that the I did everything was a lie. Also, it sounds good. You never did say, everything. Yeah, <laughs> that's never worked. If they if you think it worked, you don't know. That person lied to you. They did not. He had somebody trying to work him and get into these record labels and all that. That wasn't. The a crowd of people outside of WGCI, like you have to have a, a connect. You have to. Period. Period. And I had to learn not to re- to not refuse help. Man, we did I, that video, I, man. I had to learn over the like past couple of years just how to ask for it, you know, and really ask for it with people, like. Like, I, I forget the saying where it's like, people who are good always have a job that ain't for nothing. You know, like, yeah. like there are folks, like the folks who I really need help from are busy. And so I can't just come up to them and say like, uh, can you help me? You know, like, you know, you like think yes, and- of course I could help you. What do you need? You know, like, right. what are you trying to do right now? How can I help you get to that place like you still got to be the leader so it's not it's i mean it goes right back to the beginning of our conversation it's like help doesn't mean giving our career over to another person it means like we're still in charge of it <laughs> like we're yeah. still the person doing it and that is a mistake i learned a lot of times and being angry at managers and stuff but like it was because i gave them everything it was like you ain't figured this out it's like no i'm i'm in charge right i am in charge of this still it's still your name yeah being able to ask people in a very like i'm good at that now being able to send that email or that call and and within two minutes like i have asked them and we off the phone and they like all right i'm gonna look into it you know but i'm like yeah. yo can you do this this is what i'm trying to do now do you think you can help with that do trying to i talked to a lot of dads on the show lately i'm just entering into that group even with comedians, like when comedians start being fathers it's like damn i'm getting older 
Because <laughs> we like the last, we're the last ones to get financially stable. The last breedable bunch. The last, like, the last group, like, all right, you know, get your life together a little bit and take care of somebody else. Stop being so selfish. Like, father of two girls. Do you believe that thing about, like, you get punished with daughters because of your old? No, I, think, I think if anything plays into sexism, it's thoughts like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> A girl cannot be a punishment if we are going, if we're going to defeat sexism in our lifetime. And what we can't think is that a girl having a girl to raise and take care of is punishment. You know, it's I think it's the same as a boy. You know, it's it's hard work, you know, and and like anything, it works if you spend your time on it and make the sacrifices in other places to make sure that they know that I'm there. You know, that that's the one thing that I recognize about like my career at this point, musically, I don't think it gets as much into church stuff, but like musically knowing that if I want the career that, um, that common has or a black doll has, or the MCs that I grew up like loving, I know I'm gonna need to be on the road a ton. And if I'm yeah. gonna be on the road a ton, there's a cost to pay with that. And so I think fatherhood just taught me a lot about like how much am I really willing to pay and because of how I grew up, you know, without a dad around, like that cost ain't really high. Like I'm, okay. I'm trying to be at the crib, especially during their developmental years. And, and, and while they don't understand, you know, if they teenagers and they like, dad, go get it, you know? Yeah. Like at this point, I recognize that cost and I'm, I'm far more conscious of that. And I tell folks who aren't fathers, like if you can pay that cost right now, go do it because you can get a lot by paying that cost, you know, like you can, you can go further. That is funny that you, I'm glad you brought that up because this is something I was going to bring to you that I've noticed. I've known you for 20 years at this point. Man. Like just from the time that I've known you, you seem to always be at a, like a precipice or a fork in the road. Like that there's a recurring theme of like, do this or do that, and this is a major decision. I'll just clue in everybody listening. Like, before I even met you, you had to make the decision of going to Morehouse or a baseball school. Right. Am I right on this? Yeah, yeah. No, I was I was scouted as a baseball player and and uh had those options for sure. So like why does, why do you, do you feel like, do you, have you, are you aware of that? Like these constant forks that you have to. I feel like it was like five years ago. You might've brought that to my attention. And yeah. Cause we were talking about preaching versus rapping and being a family man versus hitting the road. Exactly. You know? And since then I've been a lot more conscious of it. And the place where I'm at now at this point is, trying not to make it so either or but really trying to live in both like at that point when we had that conversation like oh am i gonna preach or am i gonna rap like no i'm gonna do both you know i'm gonna do both and obviously neither are gonna go to the place to their apex you know in their in the traditional sense because i'm gonna be doing the other one but because of that i'm gonna be able to go to i'm gonna be able to do something and show the world something that hasn't been seen before, you know? And so it won't be the traditional rap career. Like, I'm not going to have that. I know that. I'm not going to have the traditional pastor and career, but it's going to look like 
something completely different and and hopefully just authentic to who I am, you know, but I, I do always feel like because there are so many kind of selves inside of me and gifts, you could say, that I'm choosing between and, and trying to figure out how I'm going to serve them and, and try to do the world right by them, you know, that something is always getting left out or not done. I, I do constantly, I think, still have that sense. And, and honestly, you know, work with my therapist and, and a lot around that. Man. Well, we almost made like a full, the, the show started talking about therapy and we, we going out talking about repeating that message, man. It was circular, this whole thing. So get therapy, is that the message? That was the message. I think that's definitely a... <laughs> and it ain't your girlfriend. It ain't no thoughts. No, nah, no. Nah. It ain't your group chat. No. Nah, nah. they, they, they ate in it. <laughs> we laugh because we were the group chat together, and that ain't no damn therapy. It's like an hour worth of therapy, but it only lasts for an hour. Like, whatever you learn. Right. You quickly got to unlearn it and go deal with other people. That's right. That's right. That's right. The album is out, though. Tell the people the name of it. Love Did Quest. Our boy Grief Easy. Yes. Love Quest. Uh, Verbal Quest VK. It's a good album, and it's it's twenty five minutes it's long. So it's it's one of those investments into something new that like don't cost a lot. We were just talking about the cost. Like it it will cost you very little to just go. See if you like it. And within two songs, you'll know. But you will, because it's just dope hip hop. Like, and I'm I'm learning how to how to do that better too. Just like stand up for myself. You know, like, no, this music goes. Like, go listen to it. The music is solid. I'll tell people if you if you pop it in and you not pop it in, how old am I? If you go to the app that plays music that you paid for, click a song, you you mess with it out the top, you're gonna like the whole thing. That's my that's my review of it. You know right away, and I think this is a theme in your music too. You know right away what you're getting, and it just you just gotta stay on that ride. You know, that's my thoughts. So go listen to it, Love Quest. Um, what's your what's the theme of your sermon on Sunday? This Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> this Sunday. <laughs> Have you got it yet? I'm still putting it together. Like the quarantine sermons come are, are coming a lot later, man. And and mm-hmm. part of it is because just my daughter's on my neck constantly. So I don't have that same time for just quiet and reflection. And that's such a privilege, man. Like I, I recognize yeah. that privilege is about quiet. Like how yeah. quiet yeah. is your life and how much quiet can you create? And right now I can't create much at all. And so two daughters under 10 years old. Exactly. Seven and three. And so that that creates uh, uh, it's difficult to do that. But also, like, I just like so much is happening in the world on a day to day basis. Like, I just want to hear it all before I start speaking or trying to make sense or doing the thing that sermons do. Um, so, like, I've been waiting until like Friday or Saturday. So I, so I really, you know, I'm, I got an idea of some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I got an idea of some stuff, but... You'll know Saturday for sure, for sure. No, we we had a we had a member pass away the, the last weekend, and so I've been thinking a lot about her legacy. And she was uh, a leader in Chicago and did a lot of work, and so just been thinking a lot about her. And who knows if she'll get a funeral? And her family still hasn't reached out to me, so I don't even know like if she had family. So like, 
just how can I bring her alive in that space and, and what can we learn from her? You know, that's that's a lot of what we're going to be doing. Hell yeah, man. I, not only as a rapper, as a friend, all of that, I think we connected because we, we recognized we saw something in each other very early and that, like, I can be a fan of this person. I can root for this guy. Like, that, that's what hit me first. And I want y'all to do it too. I want them to follow you. What's the Twitter and Instagram? Pure Quest, everything. Pure K West. Pure K West. Make sure y'all follow. Um, listen to the album. Give it, give it. You ain't doing nothing else. Most of the people, you at home, put it, put it on. Give it a listen. Give it some spins. Whatever. Uh, of course, follow me. <laughs> at the, I am up there. I am comedians having babies old. <laughs> <laughs> follow me, of course, at the Clark Jones. Uh, and keep. Keep, uh, man, keep, keep, keep enduring through all of this. To anybody who can hear this right now, I'm so thankful. I love you, bro. Uh, I'm uh, still rooting for you after all this time, man. And I, I appreciate you doing the show. Yes, sir. Thank you, man. For sure. We out. Thank y'all.